Welcome to the LBM Journal Recruit and Retain Podcast, hosted by Rick Brandon, the leading recruiting expert in the building products industry and founder of BuildingGurus.com, where LBM and building product leaders go to learn how to solve their hiring and retention challenges through education, empowerment, and expertise. In each episode, Ricka and guests will dive into what's working now in recruiting and retention. You'll get insight and actionable advice in every episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the LBM Journal's Recruit and Retain podcast. I'm your host, Ricka Brandon, and I'm so excited to have my friend Jen Mahaffey here to help me talk about things that come up a ton when I am talking to manufacturers and distributors out in the industry. So the two things we're going to cover today are how to limit getting ghosted by candidates and what's causing it. And then we're going to talk more about another real pain point for people, and that's the counter offers. So I'm so glad Jen agreed to join me today and kind of help facilitate the conversation. Otherwise, I might have just been talking to myself as I talk to you guys. So I think it'll be a lot more fun. Plus, Jen lives it day to day, and she'll be able to interject with questions and logistical problems that I may not think of when I'm trying to explain it. So I'm super excited that Jen's with me here today. I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself. And then we'll get right into talking about ghosting. So Jen, tell them a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Jen Mahaffey. I'm the hiring manager and recruiter for Medallion Industries in Portland, Oregon. Um, at Medallion, we are a reseller of doors, um, windows, and millwork. And uh, we sell primarily to builders and a little bit to homeowners. Most of our business is residential, uh, new construction and remodels. Um, about 85% of our business is that. Um, okay, so let's talk Let's talk a little bit about ghosting. Um, so first off, I'm just going to explain what ghosting is in case somebody listening isn't familiar with the term. Ghosting is when people express interest or they apply for the job or they're, and then they just don't show up and they quit responding to you, right? The term originated in dating where I got ghosted. They're like now they're not there anymore. Um So most of you listening probably are familiar with it, but I just want to make sure we're all on the same page about it. It's when somebody who was interested in some levels suddenly goes dark on you and doesn't respond to your messages, doesn't show up for interviews, et cetera. Uh, And certainly with the great resignation and the shifts with the pandemic, we have seen a huge rush of this. Um, So Jen, do you have any questions around ghosting or how to prevent it that you'd like me to start with? Or of course, I can also just start talking because that is part of my charm. Uh, I would say where we face this the most is um, maybe we have a candidate, uh, a potential candidate, somebody that I've reached out to directly on Indeed. And uh, the way it works is when they respond back that they're interested, that they're interested in having a conversation, I'll get an email notification that just says, hey, this, this person has indicated that they're interested. Now I've got their email and their phone number. So I'm excited. I reach out to them. And then I get crickets. And so then it becomes this point of, okay, how much and how often do I reach out to them before I become a stalker? (laughs) Yep, exactly. How much is assertive and then where do we go aggressive and annoying, right? The line in the sand. Uh, So a couple of things around the ghosting. Um, One thing that's happening is people are getting hired unbelievably quickly. The uh, hiring process has condensed rapidly for many companies, including many companies are able to basically have you start the next day. Um, so there is some very accelerated hiring practices that are happening right now due to the fact that we're in a candidate short market. Um, so in some of those cases, it may have been they got a job offer, 
or they may have read it more closely and thought, oh yeah, that's actually a 40 minute commute. Or they may have read the job ad a little bit more closely and thought, yeah, I don't want to do that, right? I'm above that. So we've got a lot of things that can come up and cause that non-responsive thing. Um, one of the best ways to do it is to send that, you know, as, as Jen implied, very quickly send the response. If it's somebody who applied for your opening, trying to respond quickly as well, because time is moving, it's moving so fast right now. Um, and time kills deals. Like that, that is true of all things. It is unbelievably true of recruiting and hiring right now because there's just way too many opportunities and candidates are more fickle than they've been in a while. So with that, keep in mind, speed helps solve the ghosting problem. Then though, when somebody does ghost you and you're not getting a response, I like to kind of be a, a friendly stalker, if you will, right? Where it's, hey, I'm going to call you. I'm going to shoot you an email and I'm going to follow up with the text. So I'll probably call and leave a voicemail. I will probably send a text and I will probably also um, send an email because we don't know the best way to reach them. And that's one of the things that Jen and I have talked about before is multiple channels are helpful, right? Because how many people have an email they never check, right? All of us, everybody does, um, you know, well, or maybe, maybe not everybody does, but I sure do. Um, <laughs> and I have one that I check only when I need to, and I know something's coming there. So with that, what is that line? What is appropriate? Um, and do we just give up right away? Because I fear a lot of people just give up right away. Like, oh, they're not interested. They're, I'm done. So they might send one email and that's it. And that's not how you win the game of recruiting. You can't give up that fact. You know, it's the follow up is how you win. And so what I typically like to do is, you know, do that full like kind of trifecta of every contact method I have. Right. And I'll usually usually wait 24 to 48 hours between them before I send those messages, before I follow up. But on a real like kind of casual high level overview of what that looks like, it is like, hey, you know what? We're not able to connect. I just want to make sure I have the right contact information. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this opportunity. Your background is such a great fit. You know, so you kind of do where you get a little bit of the sandwich, right? Like, hey, I must have the wrong information because you're not responding to me. That's weird, right? <laughs> of course you would want to. Uh, and then, you know, hey, I want to make sure I have it right. So you get a chance to correct them. It gives them a chance for an easy out. Then it's, um, you know, I really want to talk to you. It's a little bit of flattery because at that point, if they read it, they're going to feel more kind of obligated to at least send you like, ah, I changed my mind or I realized it's a super long commute. And again, not everybody's going to always respond, but there's some psychology things we can do to get them to respond to us. Because what we're looking for is a yes, no, not right now. You know, we don't need everybody to be a yes. In fact, we really often need one person to be a yes. And the rest can be not right now and no's. And it's totally cool. Um, with that, we have that follow up and we do it. And then I try to usually incorporate a little bit of humor. And that's partly humor is my natural style. If it's not yours, practice until it's not stiff and awkward, preferably. But I always will do in my second one, I'll say, hey, you know, I just wanted to follow up. It's starting to seem like this might not be the right time or the right opportunity for you. So if you know of someone it might be a better fit for, you know, please feel free to forward this opportunity on. You know, I wish you the best if you found something else. And it's a real graceful out for them, but it also gives them a call to action. And there's a lot of people that feel bad about not getting back to you. And if you're kind of lighthearted about it, they might refer someone, right? Um, and so that's the part where we're asking. And then the third one is really pretty casual. I'll just say, hey, here's the deal. I could take a hint. Maybe this isn't the right time or the right opportunity. Or maybe you've never even seen these messages. 
you know, if at some point you want to talk about a career opportunity with us, I encourage you to follow up with me. Um, at this point, I'll quit bugging you and I'll assume that this isn't an opportunity you're interested in. So I keep it super light, easy breezy, um, easy for them to come back and say, hey, I was on vacation for a week. I'm so sorry. These were just piling up in my inbox. You know, um, there's a million reasons they're not responding. Um, what I would encourage you to do is really look at that person's profile and their background and like, how interested are they going to be? You know, so like, I don't give this kind of follow up to somebody who I might have put in there as like, a, eh, they're a yellow, they're a maybe. Um, it's people that I think really have a strong fit. So I just want to kind of say that we we don't necessarily give the high value, high touch, big effort to get responses from everyone, but the ones that we really see potential in. Um, does that help, Jen, and kind of like lay yeah. out the framework of how we do it? Um, I like I, the humor approach. Yeah, it's just so much easier, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all getting buried in emails, right? And, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it could get lost. And so with that, you know, it's multiple things. I do think the reality of sending a text, I don't know about anybody else here, but I actually really hate listening to voicemail. Like it is one of my least favorite things to do because I just feel like, couldn't you have texted me? Could have read it in just a few seconds, but now I have to go through the whole voicemail. It's like a minute and a half of my life. Like It's a funny thing, right? I debate as a headhunter, literally putting on my voicemail, like, could you please send me an email or a text? That'd be so great. Right. So voicemail is a thing that like and I'm I'm in my mid 40s. Right. So I'm not that young. Um, so I think it's just something to kind of recognize when we leave voicemails. Some people may never listen to them. Like, for example, uh, Jen was just sharing, you know, when she calls, it's a voicemail that's not set up. It's full. It's different things like that. Right. So you can't always leave a voicemail. But I also think times are shifting a bit. And although we love to leave the narrative and the story on the voicemail, we really need to recognize that a lot of those aren't getting listened to. Does that feel true to you, Jen, what I'm saying? That's very true. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing um, with that is, you know, when is it enough, right? And I think one of the things in recruiting that needs to be understood by anybody who's doing it on a serious level is everything's pretty fluid, right? You know, there's candidates who like, I call them red, yellow, green, right? Like red is a hard pass. No, thank you. You get no more minutes of my life. Yellow is maybe I'm going to see what the other talent pool looks like. And green is like, yes, this person I totally want to talk to. Right. And that's, I call it my stoplight system. It's super simple. Uh, when applicants are coming in, you know, kind of tagging them or identifying this is, you know, red, yellow, green. So I don't waste my time. Of course, if you have an applicant tracking system, it makes life quite a bit easier. Um, most of you listening probably do not have one. Um, but it is, it's one of those things, especially when you're starting to hire more often, that can be really helpful. Um, but with that, just keep it that simple red, yellow, green, right? And green people, we give our highest and best effort to. That is the ones we're trying to reach out to. Do you find, Jen, in your in your practice of doing this, you kind of do that automatically without really thinking what? about it? The red, yellow, green? Yeah. Like, kind of like this person I'm going to try super hard to reach out with and this person I'm less. Oh, yeah. With. Well, and I mean, we don't have an ATS system yet, but we're getting one. But for right now, I... I'm kind of limited by what I have in Indeed, but Indeed has like the X, the question mark and the check mark. So it's kind of the same concept of the red, yellow, green. And I definitely use that for weeding through resumes and candidates. Yeah. And, and I it, help, also, it helps. It does. I mean, you just have to have a system because you don't want to waste your time re-reviewing people over no. and over. It's completely inefficient. Um, and so with that, you know, the ghosting is going to still happen. Um, but you can help it be better um, by being prompt in your responses, by making it okay for them to say they're not interested, right? So one of the things 
um, that surprise people about recruiting is, you know, I'm pretty laid back, right? My job is to find a path. I'm going to show you a path. It has to be right for my client. It has to be right for the candidate because we're looking for a long-term fit here. You know, I would say it's a professional equivalent to getting married. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm standing at their back with a shotgun, right? Nope. It's like, we're choosing to walk up this path together. And so with that, you know, I think some people try really hard to make it happen and it's okay if it doesn't happen, right? Not everybody's going to be interested. It's not always going to be the right time. Um, and that's why we need volume. We need to reach out to more people. We need different things. So if we get ghosted, it's not catastrophic. Um, one of the things that I think can be really frustrating for people is when they've accepted an offer and then they no show on the first day. So I want to give you guys just a couple of tips about how to try to limit that. So in the world of search, our due date, our payday is the day they show up on the first day of work. So our process does not stop when they accept the offer, right? We are still constantly talking to them. We're talking about issues that are coming up. And I think most companies have a little bit of a gap there where once the person accepts the offer, they go into internal mode of like, what do we need to get set up? Are we planning the training? And they fail to communicate regularly with the candidate. Does that feel true, Jen, from you know, yeah. and others of it's, it's easy to get focused on the internal? Um, what I really encourage people to do is to have a point where we don't go more than 48 hours without touching base. It could be a text conversation. It could be an email conversation. It could actually be a phone conversation. It doesn't have to be big or anything, but it can be, Hey, you know, just thinking about you as getting your email set up. Do you have any questions, anything, you know, anything you're wondering about? So excited for you to start. Right. Um, and when we do that and we keep the lines of communication open, one, we keep their energy high. Two, we keep them like, hey, I've got this thing. I'm, this is sorted. I don't need to do any more interviews. I've got this job, right? Um, and it also creates a rapport with the candidate. So hopefully throughout the interview process, the recruiting and interview process, you've developed somewhat of a relationship, right? There should be some good feelings where they aren't going to want to disappoint you, but they're also going to not want to show up. So it's kind of a fine line because telling somebody like, hey, I got a counter offer or, hey, I got this can feel really awkward if we don't have that rapport and that constant communication happening. Like, hey, just making sure nothing's come up. That's like one of my favorite. Everything's still good because it's an easy it's an easy question for them to say, actually, I got a counter offer or yeah, like and, I mean, half the time they'll tell you about a counter offer and they'll be like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's not about money. You guys suck. I'm out of here. Right. But that's because there's a little bit different dynamic with the third party versus the company person. Um but one of those things um, is really making sure we're keeping those lines of communication open and easy. You know, we aren't, we can't be super attached to them doing it. We have to recognize it's a choice for them too. Um, so with that, that's kind of the one thing. Um, anything you think I could dive into a little deeper, Jen, that would help in that area or any anything you want to uh, add? Well, you touched on counter offers. I mean, I definitely think that's something that we have had to uh, deal with that's been really challenging for us. We find the perfect candidate, we extend the offer, the offer is accepted, and we think everything is is great. Everyone's happy and excited. Candidate goes back to their current employer, puts in their notice. Employer can't lose the candidate, makes a, or employee makes yeah. counter offer. Employee accepts, comes back to us, tells us they accepted a counter offer we're crushed. We, we can't counter the counter and it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, we've had it happen multiple times. And I think especially in the market right now, I think it happens even more than, than it used to. 
Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, if the, the more help we can have with that, the, the, the better. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. That is a great one. Um, again, that communication, that keeping in touch is critical, right? The other thing is uh, telling them it's going to happen, right? So when you're an executive or a leader, you're sophisticated enough to know that counteroffers happen. If you're a normal worker, you don't know that that happens, right? I mean, so part of this is like when you're in the world of hiring, you're aware of counteroffers. A lot of your candidates and potential hires maybe aren't. So what we want to do is we want to educate them. And trust me, counteroffers is the bane of existence for recruiters, right? So we have done a lot of work to figure out how to nip this in the bud because uh, it's it's uh, so frustrating. Um So with that, what we want to do is when um, we extend them the offer and they accept, maybe we've done a little negotiating. We want to make sure we're keeping our energy and our enthusiasm super high, right? So that if you yourself are not necessarily very energetic and bubbly, bring in somebody who can help lighten the mood and keep it high, okay? Um, Because that good feeling, we want them to carry those vibes throughout the process between accepting and showing up on the start date. And then we say, hey, I realize that you, you know, you haven't changed jobs a lot or you've been with them a while. So I want to tell you about something that I think is going to happen and give you just a little bit more information. So with this, when you go and you give your notice, it's a high likelihood that your company is going to say like, oh, my gosh, we can't lose you. And now we're going to give you this bump. And so that is really exciting in the moment to you. You're like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to learn where the new bathroom is. I don't have to learn all my coworkers. I can just stay here and get the same pay. That seems safe and comfortable. But the reality is they didn't think you were worth that two weeks ago. They're only paying you that because they have to to keep you. And so what that does, and you can feel free to Google this yourself. You will find that I'm not lying. I'm not saying this because it's self-serving. Something like 96% of counteroffers that are accepted, the person has left within 18 months because you know what? You're not just leaving for the money. You're leaving for other things, you know. And if they've, if you've asked for the raise and they can't give it to you and now suddenly you're worth it, that tells you a lot about how much they value you. And so with that, we're painting the stage. I'm not narrating right now um, or not scripting, I should say. Um, with that, we want to help them understand that this does happen. But here's how it plays out in real life. One, the company has to stretch and adjust to cover that pay. And no matter how much flex they have, to some extent, your loyalty has now been put in question, right? Okay, so they're wondering, oh, is it going to be like another counteroffer in three months? And just no matter how happy they are to have you stay, something has altered inexorably in your dynamic, right? It's just changed. You know it if you're a hiring manager who's given a counteroffer to get somebody to stay that there's going to be a little residue from that, right? So we just want to talk about that up front with the candidate. And then we want to point out, like, it's not just money. When we were talking, and this like my sell interview methodology, I love it's all about selling, educating, listening, and learning. We're learning those hot buttons. So we're saying to him, you know, the money is great, but you wanted the chance to grow. You really felt like your opportunities for promotion were limited there. Um, You wanted the chance to do this. So we're reminding them it's not just money because money is the easiest thing for candidates to think about and latch onto when they're thinking about a job change. It doesn't mean it's actually their biggest decision maker. It's just the easiest to grab on and hold on to. It is, of course, a big part of their decision, but it's tangible and easy. So we want to remind them, you know, hey, like you asked them for a raise. They never thought it was. So now you're going to get it. Chances are in two months, the other stuff, like your boss being a micromanager or whatever, that isn't going to change. 
So you're going to have it and you're going to be unhappy. And if you do, and I would highly recommend having a couple articles ready to share, like, you know, go ahead and Google counter offers and how long they last because Google will back us up that they are not a good plan. They don't last and it's a knee jerk reaction. Um, but what we want to do is we want to paint that picture for the candidate up front. We want to say, and it helps just to say like, hey, just so you know, you're like, you could get a counter offer from your employer. And we definitely want to know if you do, but I want you and you're thinking about it to really think about what you liked about here. Like, you know, we're excited because we see growth potential in you, you know, and you're playing to kind of those, those hot buttons that why that person is leaving. That's not just money. Um, but we also want to let them know that the reality is even if you accept that counter offer, you're still going to be gone in 18 months. Almost every single person who does is because it's not just about the money. And so it's educating and pre, uh, basically showing them the show. It's like a pre-show. This is what's going to happen. So then when they get the counter offer, they call you and they're like, oh, my God, it went just the way you said. I told them <laughs> no thanks. It's not about the money. I mean, and this is a huge part of my life, coaching against counter offers. It's a little hard to do it in the general because we have to make it personal to that candidate. But we also need to make it not just ours, because, of course, anybody who's paying attention knows that we have a vested interest in them coming to work for us. So it has to be a blend of making sure it matches with their hot buttons and what matters to them at this point in their life, in their career. We want to make sure we have a third party fact that we can back it up with. So that's when we tell them, feel free to Google it. Like I'm not, I understand that there is a benefit to me in this, but I also want you to know that this, it's not just this, right? Things are altered. And so with that, we kind of have a trifecta, right? We're paying attention to what actually matters to them. We're trying to get away from just being about money and the other intangibles. We're letting them know it could happen. And then we're letting them know through a party that's not us that it's going to end badly. Like, that's it. You know, yep, you might dodge the bullet for another year, but for the most part, many of them are gone within six months. So you're just kicking the can down the road a little bit further. So it's one of those things where when we paint the picture and then it happens, they're so like, oh my gosh, what? Like, this is crazy. And I mean, I will tell you, I have had so many candidates reach out to me and say like, oh my God, it went exactly like you said. Like, and you're right. It's not just about the money. Like, And lots of candidates are like, yeah, I'm super annoyed. Like, at my raise, I had my raise a month and a half ago, and they couldn't possibly see any way to give me two more dollars an hour. And now that I'm going to leave to work for you, now six dollars an hour is possible. Like, like screw you. I was this good a month ago. And it, it's a very powerful thing to help the candidate appreciate their worth and also understand like business is in it for business, right? That's it. They are. And so when you have that, they've they've already shown you who they are and how they are, right? So we just want to make sure. So anyway, that's a super complex, advanced uh, recruiting move. I'm not going to lie. So if I lost you, I apologize. Um, but I hope those three kind of points to help you get ahead of it will help you limit counter offers and at least get the chance to compete with it and say, hey, you know what? We can't actually go up any higher on comp, but let's look at our health insurance because our health insurance is only going to cost you X. And here, like your total out of pocket versus what you have right now is, you know, essentially we're giving you $5 more an hour because our health insurance is so much better or our benefits. So the other part of that is really making sure you understand your total compensation package and how it can compete. Because employees who aren't very sophisticated think about the hourly rate. They don't think about the fact that they have no vacation necessarily. They don't think about the fact that the health insurance they have is abysmal. Um, and you've made the decision in your company to invest in good health insurance, right? So that's something where 
we want to make sure they understand the total compensation value and the difference. So that was a long-winded answer. Do you think that was helpful, <laughs> Jen, or was it, did I go too deep? So No, that was helpful. Okay, cool. And so that's part of it. And again, that communication and constantly paying attention and following up and asking if anything's changed, making sure it's easy and easy for them to say if something did come up, you know, because people are weird. I'm not going to lie. Most people don't have a ton of interviewing experience and suddenly they'll get cold feet because they forgot to tell you they had a vacation planned in six weeks and now they're worried you'll be mad. So like, instead of you talking, them talking to you about it, like they might just be like, I better just bow out. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, we, it's okay to bring up the vacation after we hired you. That's fine. We can roll with that. We would have liked to know before, but it's not going to change our mind. Right. So anyway, I think that's a really important part. And I will say um, it is a little bit more challenging when you are clearly a representative of the company versus, you know, if I'm a third party recruiter, hey, if this one doesn't work out, maybe something else with another client. Right. So you have a little bit more um, barriers, but also a greater opportunity to be like their inside friend at the company, somebody who they feel like they can ask questions, all of that stuff. So there's great opportunity there. Um, but it does maybe take a little bit more um, intention and effort. So, but that I would say are some of the main ways that we can go against counteroffers. I really do encourage everybody listening to Google it. Um, you will find some articles and stats that pretty generously speak or generally speaking, it, it doesn't end well. Um, but yeah. So anyway, any thoughts or questions, Jen, that we should uh, include here before we wrap up or? Uh, no, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for being my uh, my podcast guide today and helping us talk about these things that are a little bit painful and challenging, but so important when we when we know better, we hire better. And so with that, I hope you guys all got enough information to start taking different actions or at least consider it. And I hope it helps you hire better. So thanks so much for being on with me again, Jen. I appreciate it. Are you struggling to find, hire, and keep the people you need? If so, Building Gurus can help. From training and empowering your internal team to using our expertise to quickly fill your critical and urgent sales and leadership roles, Building Gurus can help you win the war for talent in the LBM and building products industry. Learn more at buildinggurus.com forward slash discovery.